Welcome back to This Is My Bourbon Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Perry, and returning because he just couldn't stay away any longer. It's the Whiskey Mutant. It's been too long. It's been too long. One episode is too long. <laughs> I can't take it. I am so happy you're back, man. Well, I'm happy to be here. And like I said earlier, it was nice listening to my first episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast in years. Like three years. <laughs> yeah. So go listen to it if you haven't. It's a good episode. But yes, yes. I'm happy to be back. I'm and refreshed, energized, and ready to make content. Let's make some. Uh, and, of course, thank you to Brian Bikey, Mr. Abandoned Bourbon himself, yes. for filling in last week. It was a huge help. It was a great conversation. If you haven't listened to it yet, go and do so. But maybe after this episode. Yeah, don't stop it right now. Because we got a lot of stuff we got to do can go back. this week's episode. I promise. No spoiler alerts for that episode. And if you want to listen to the uncut version of that episode, you can head to the Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, but $5 a month is where the bonus content is, including that uncut episode, the pregame chats, which comes out before every single episode every week. And then a bonus episode that comes out every Monday bonus. as well. So uh, all good stuff yes. over there. We are um, kicking off this week with an unboxing. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is supposed to lead into flying blind or sips and snacks or uh, we're gonna, whatever's in this box is what we're going to do. <laughs> Um, you know, if thanks- there's durian in there. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. And who are we thankful for? Mr. Don Nishida. This is from him, and I know whatever's in this box. Well, we're, we're thankful for all of our supporters, but I mean, he, right now we're specifically thankful for Don Nishida. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they get that, but you know, if you want me to say I'm thankful for you, send me some stuff. <laughs> Which, by the way, first time I'm mentioning this on the podcast, we got a P.O. box! P.O. box. Whoa! Snack time! Uh, but yes, we do have a P.O. box now. Um, we are it, It'll be open for people to send stuff to. The, uh, the, the address is going to be in the description below. I'll put it up here on screen as well if you're watching the video version. Um, Look at all these. Holy moly, dude. Finger licking braised pork flavor? What?! <laughs> Chips. They're chips. Oh, we're going to be eating some of them. Uh, I hope. It's your Maui snacks. cookies, macadamia nut, <laughs> noms, dino eggs. Mm, that looks fun. Oh. Baby banana castella made in Japan. I'm thankful for Japan, too. You know Japan has a Thanksgiving? It's called Labor Thanksgiving, and it's like their Labor Day. Huh. I didn't know that. It's on the 23rd. Of November? Yes. Huh. Look at all the Kit Kats. Woo! Oops. There's a... Bottle of whiskey. M- uh, maybe it's whiskey. Pancake mix. Chocolate macadamia nut. What? Nom's belts covered in lean hing lemon pill. Interesting. Mini mini bit. Classic cheese sand cookies. Whoa. Ooh, we got. Some Oreos oh, that have two man. flavors in them. I can't read the. Here, I'll use the. I'll use Google Translate. And I got a, a newspaper. Tell so, me, tell me the news here, Eric. Well, it's the sports page, so that's fun. Um, this was from oh, it was just November fifth. I want to read about the the uh, Star Advertiser Sports here. Okay, so um, this says. Sweet and not greasy. 
You've sent a whole bottle of whiskey. Smooth filling sweet sandwich, just right sweet. What? Imported cocoa powder. Rich cocoa is so delicious. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa puff. Some Hawaii. Do we, did we have this before? Koopa? Uh, I don't think so. Koopy? Koopa Trooper? Huh? I got this. Give it a lick. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so I don't know what flavor this is. Well, oh, wait, here we like go. A, it's strawberry and blueberry, maybe? Raspberry, raspberry and blueberry. There we go. Yeah, um, this says sweet and not greasy again. I like it. Greasy strangler. Oh, no. So we've got <clears throat> Kupu Spirits Whiskey. Aged on the slopes of Halikikala. Hopefully I said that right. I apologize if I didn't. Small batch. Distilled from a blend of corn, rye, and malted barley, then aged in new charred American oak barrels. So it's, so it's bourbon. It's bourbon. It's Hawaiian bourbon. Kupu Spirits. Open it up. Okay. Let's pair it up with something. One of these snacks. What do you want? We don't ha even have to pair it. Huh. Let's see if those Oreos really aren't greasy. Okay. What if they are? What if they're just dripping in grease? Look at all these snacks. I cannot wait. We're going to have this later. Yes, these sir. chips. We might make some pancakes, too. These noms look like a fun little treat. I guess I should just show this off. Whoa. People are going to yell at me. They're going to be like, I can't see the snacks. There they are. Nom, 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 noms. Kit Kats. Look at these little banana guys. Look at them guys. This is crazy. And then, yeah, here's the braised pork flavored Lay's. Look at that. Uh, here's the bottle, Coop by the way. Koopu? Koopu Spirits. All right. Let's try Koopu by itself. Let's give it Let's a little, it. little drinky drink. It's only 80 proof, I think. 88. 88. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Don. Thank you, Don. Cheers to the listeners. Oh, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes. Hmm. It does smell lower proof. It reminds me of... Smelling it reminds me of that, of the yellow label Four Roses. I was thinking closer to, like, Evan Williams. Think so? Yeah. Hmm. I like it, though. I'm not opposed to it, but It's a little means. floral and just... Bourbon. Mm. It's got a minty finish. Like chocolate mint. Hmm. Mahalo. Mahalo. <laughs> I You're welcome. Gosh. I've I... all right. This is my high proof hot take. I'm gonna already? Already. Let's do it. I have reached Peak the rock capacity. I can't. No, I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I can't. Can't do it anymore. I, I can't do it anymore, man. I can't. I can't oh, handle this. The, oh, we can eat that whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> Yo, well, sorry. Um, no, nah, I just can't do the rock anymore, man. I mean, he's a big guy. It's hard to do every day. Well. This is I'm good. Let's be honest. He does meet. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. I don't 
I like this. I, I actually really am a fan to of To be this. 80 proof, it's got like a really 88. like... 88. sorry. To be 88 proof, below 90, it's got a real spicy nose and finish to me that I don't feel like I get in a lot of stuff under 90 proof. Brother, this is... I wonder if they have a barrel strength version of this. Oh. <laughs> Guess we'll have to ask him. He'll tell us. I, I like this quite a bit. Wherever this came from. Oh my gosh, it smells like yogurt. Huh, okay. Yes, it does. <laughs> it smells like yogurt, like berry yogurt. Interesting. Oh, I like that a lot. That chocolate mixed with that berry is super delicious. Oh man! There you go. Look, it's just you can't. It looks you can't see the pink, which is you know how it normally goes. You have to get you know. <laughs> this is great. I'm gonna do a pour over. Oh, I just ate the whole cookie. We got more. Oh, I will say. The pairing itself does not like create anything new. Yeah, it's just kind of whiskey but, and cookies. But the spice <laughs> that I was getting on that, that little bit of spice just kind of makes this like a spicy treat. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't mind it. Well, Don, thank you. Seriously. You know, I may as well. You only get. The, now, these are actually Chinese Oreos, too. Chinese? Yeah. Okay. They're good. I like them. Real good. All right, then. Very cool. What have you been drinking recently? Well, the reason I wasn't here last week, because I was at Disney. Mm -hmm. So, I will sound like a broken record most of the time, because every time I come back from Disney, I'll tell you <laughs> what I've been drinking. And I usually drink the same thing. So, speed round, what have I been drinking? Um, single Barrel, Knob Creek, Parks and Resort. While I was there, um, several old fashions. We got to go to uh, Trader Sam's Tiki Bar, which, if you've never been there, it's in the Polynesian Resort. Go there, put your name on the list. Um, it just, the drinks are all kind of themed. So when somebody orders a certain drink, something in the room happens, like the glass. That's cool. Um, I will say uh, we had to leave to get to go to dinner, but they did say, hey, if you stick around a little bit longer, we kick all the kids out, and it's more of an adult bar. Oh, man. So after like 9 o'clock, I There's think, boobies. <laughs> yeah, they have tiki dancers. Like dancers come out. They're naked. No, I'm just... <laughs> I don't know what happens, honestly. Disney's really changed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happens, but they just told me that. Um, so I had that. <laughs> That's what happens when Bob Iger comes back and takes yes. over. <laughs> um, Plot Pig, I had a pour of their stag single barrel pick which is delicious yeah disney springs um i got to have uh my favorite old-fashioned at uh, epcot the corn old-fashioned yes sir um over in mexico it's made with uh, tequila and wilderness trail rye um if you're in the discord you saw everything because i post everything yeah. i had a i had a what they called um everybody gave me shit about it but it was a um a drink. It was a Jim Beam apple cider drink, and they put 
a piece of pork. A turd. A, a piece of pork. <laughs> Everybody says it was a turd. It looked like poop, dude. I mean, it might have looked like it, but it tasted good. <laughs> I'm sure it did. But yeah, the little, little, uh, what's the garnish on it was a piece yeah. of like pork, and it was delicious. It was called the uh, swine brine. Fantastic. Yeah. Jim Beam, apple cider, a little bit of lemon, I think it had in it, and then um, a piece of pork. Um, on the plane, I had, uh, had just some Buffalo Trace. I packed with me um, nothing but barrel proof. That's how you do it. Uh, Knob Creek, Lodge Creek barrel proof, uh, Jack Daniels barrel proof, Old Forester barrel proof. And you know, I had to make a mutant brew. So of I was at Hollywood Studios and I went to Joffrey's um, coffee stand and I did the cold brew, but I added Bailey's and I added some Irish whiskey and I was feeling good by like nine o'clock. Yep. Yep. And that's before and I... And then you crashed it, too. <laughs> and then I crashed it, too. And then I came back on Sunday and immediately went back into the madness of the real world with the kids, and then I went straight back to work Monday. And I haven't had really anything since then. <laughs> so. Well, uh, I, I'll, I'll say this before I get into what I've been drinking. For some reason, it was like everybody was gone last weekend. Like, you were gone. Lucy and... I'm good, man. Lucy and Eden were gone. My parents were gone. Sarah was gone at one point, too. It was just like... You know what that means. Everybody was busy. Um, So I had an excuse then to go to Chad and Sarah's big bourbon night. Big. Where they were raising money for Toys for Tots. Uh, Basically, you paid money, and it was all you could drink. What'd you drink? Oh, what did I drink indeed? The night began with an eight-year-old Turkey 101 from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Nice and nice and dusty. Okay. They had a wild turkey tradition there as well. Uh, they had one bottle of every single pick that they have ever done. It was like 40 bottles, dude. It was crazy. So they lied to me. Wait a minute. I said, I love the sweet science. And he's like, we ain't got any more. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> Chad. Well, it was, but he was, okay. He was holding, they were holding on to a bottle for this event. Why didn't he say, well, we only have one bottle. We're keeping it for an event. He said, we ain't got any more. I, he I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I still don't think he lied to you. Um, he did. He gave me a lot of crap that night, by the did way, it? too. Yeah, I was, um, I was his punching bag for a little while. You punch him back, Annie? I defended myself. It's time to punch Chad back. All of the Chads. I defended myself. Um, we had a spirited conversation about the uh, episode from a few weeks ago. Yes. Um, I defended us very, very well, I would good, say. Good. He had some concerns with what we said and how we said things. And I said, we don't want to be like that all the time. It was just, um, oh, by the way, yes, I know the Brown Foreman has a bottle out for $2,500. I think you can probably assume what my opinion on it is. No, we're not going to talk about every single expensive bottle like we oh, did a They've already a put few out a Woodford ago. bottle that was thousands of $1, dollars. thousand dollars. They've done this before. Like, just, I can't, I can't live in a negative liminal space they've done it before for the rest we don't have to of talk the podcast about it. life we've talked about like it, it just 
Sorry. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry I said anything. I'm sorry I'm passionate about this. I'm sorry I was energetic. I'm sorry I got frustrated. I'm not sorry. But I can't do this all the time. Like, I'm tired, okay? I'm tired. And just... Just stop. <laughs> Sick of it! Sick of it! But... Anyway, you defended us good. I defended us, and then um, at, at one point... The night was wrapping up, and they were taking people were coming up and taking pictures with Chad and Sarah. And he came outside. We were hanging out, us sitting with Todd Cooper, um, Mike and Jenny. Uh, Danny's Candies was there too. Danny's Candies got to meet Danny. Yeah, who's that? Well, he's been in the uh, he's been a supporter of the show for for a long time. Oh, I've um, never seen a Danny's Candy. He he's been in the live stream chats. Oh. Uh, for does years at this candy? point. Yes, he does. Why does he send me no candy? Well, we'll get some candy. Give me some candy, Danny. <laughs> uh, also got to meet uh, our new buddy, Barrel Proof EDC. Oh, yeah? He was there. Nice. Uh, talk some more about that episode, too. Yeah. Uh, Mike Meyer showed up as well. And you survived? I did. <laughs> You're alive still? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just, a, just a crazy amount of people. Um. Uh, names that I'm forgetting as well. I'm sorry. We hung out with uh, Ray was there too. We hung out with Ray um, in our little smoking area. Um, but Chad came out and, you know, they got done taking pictures and he was like, hey, Perry, uh, why didn't you come in and take a picture with us like you did when you first met me in 2017 at Comic-Con? I was like, brother, <laughs> don't don't play this game with me right now. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I'm not too big for my britches, Chad. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, you know, they, they had, and like I said, it was basically an open bar. Yeah. Before I got there, um, the George T. Stag was gone. <laughs> nice, of course. There was a stag pick from Total Wine, I think. I can't remember exactly. Um, that was gone before I was able to get to it. Surprisingly, the Weller foolproof pick that they had from the Wisebird Lounge mm-hmm. uh, was not gone, so I had a little bit of that. I love that. Uh, but I lived mostly for that night on two two picks of theirs. Um, their Drink 1792 pick, their foolproof pick, and Mash Made in Heaven, which was their 13-year-old... 13-year-old? Knob Creek. 14-year-old Knob Creek pick uh, that they did for their wedding, which, baller move, man. I mean, yeah. you got you to gotta respect the game, right? Um, I had a bottle of it at one point. It was so good that it just doesn't exist anymore. Ain't no Knob Creek blast around your, your hands. No, absolutely not. No. I actually brought a bottle for tonight or nice. later or whenever. Oh! I also got something else for us to open up oh. later as well. Oh. <laughs> oh. I found another uh, C923 Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Well, I found another. This is the only one I've actually found. Where do we get the In the wild. Ones? Heaven Hill. Oh, yeah. Um, But I ran into uh, Total Wine. No, not Total Wine. Liquor Barn. Um, Wednesday? Just sitting. Yeah, it was behind the counter. Did you go get but, lunch? What do you mean? Did you go to lunch and just so happened to find that at lunch? Oh, no, I did not. No. <laughs> no, this was after work. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
but had a pretty good week, man. Sounds good. Um, that was what kind of killed my palate. I was telling you uh, on uh, Sampley Irresistible, this week's Patreon bonus episode, uh, that I had been kind of on a on a palate break this week. Uh, part of that was because um, of the how much I drank that Friday night, uh, and also because I <laughs> and I hate doing this. I ate hot food before it was cool enough to eat, and I burned my you tongue. Burnt your tongue. So for you like literally burnt your palate. So for like four days, I could taste nothing but alcohol heat when I drink. What were you eating? What what burnt you? What am I making? Pizza? No, it was like it was one of my factor meals. Grilled cheese. No, it grilled was like chicken. it was like yeah, it was like grilled chicken. No, something like that. Uh, but yeah. Otherwise, Turkey One Hundred One. There you go. <laughs> uh, what about what's uh, what about for Thanksgiving? Do you have anything you've lined up for your Thanksgiving pours yet? No, me neither. <laughs> I haven't had time to think about anything. I think I'm gonna get I. <clears throat> I got a handle of One Hundred One the other day, so I'll, that'll probably be the bottle that I carry around to all of our all day Thanksgivings. Um, we I'll have to go bring to out that one of those rides we had the other day. Yeah, I'll probably grab a rare breed yeah. too before it gets too late. But I mean, otherwise, you know, uh, it is what it is. It I is. did come up with a good idea for our uh, Thanksgiving what? TikTok. I'll talk about it off air. Okay, I'll be ready. I need all the help I can get. Yeah. I can't think of anything right now. I got, I got an idea. An idea. I'm not saying I got a couple of ideas <clears throat> that I need some help, like fleshing out yeah but it, it wouldn't be as high production i don't think as it was last time we we'll figure it out we'll figure, we'll it, figure out. it out this is my bourbon podcast is brought to you by reship eric the holidays are coming up they are and there's always that one person on your list who is asking for something that you just cannot get in your standard u.s stores it's probably me and it's my wife that's trying to figure out something to buy for me right i'm that person yeah you're the problem i'm the problem it's me <laughs> that's where our friends over at reship come in they are a virtual mall that helps you with shipping from all across the globe it is an innovative global shopping and shipping platform that connects customers around the world with their favorite brands in canada the uk and the usa with no sales tax address. Uh, we've got friends in Canada and indeed. the UK. This is perfect. It provides a unique solution to international shopping limitations by offering customers their personal addresses in these countries, thereby enabling them to shop as if they were locals. Hmm. Now that is incredible. That's like you... a shopping VPN or something, right? That's exactly what that is. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, I mean, hey, it could be that you're looking for, say, maybe a whiskey overseas oh. that you are not able to get in the United States and you're trying to, you know, you you're just trying to get yourself a little something extra, well, a little something special. Yeah. All those imports everybody locks and they say, "Look exactly. what I got." Uh so Reship is here to help you out with that with your own Reship address. You can purchase from an extensive variety of online stores across the USA, Canada, and the UK even if those stores do not offer international hmm. shipping. This service is particularly beneficial as well for those sought-after items that are exclusive to these markets or hard-to-find products that your local stores don't 
carry. And if you head to the link in the description below this video, this episode, however you're listening to enjoying This Is My Bourbon podcast, you can sign up with that link. And not only are you able to get all of these benefits from Reship, uh, you are also supporting This Is My Bourbon podcast just by signing up. That is right. By following our link, you are supporting Tim Bip and the boys. The who boys. are behind the mics? Somebody likes Dragon Ball Z figures, and it's probably me. You're, you are talking about me, right? Both of us. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But mainly you right now. You collect those. Yeah, it's true. And they're special around the world. <laughs> Thank you to Reship for sponsoring this is my bourbon podcast. This is my bourbon podcast is brought to you by Adam and Eve. Eric, as we like to say, we're we're two adult men. We're adults. With we adult a, wives. With adult wives, we do adult things, and that's perfectly fine. But we understand that some people like to kind of keep it a little secret, a little discreet. And that's what Adam and Eve does. That is true. Adam and Eve is the leading retailer online uh, for the best adult sex toys, rather, and adult novelties in the business. They were founded in 1971, so they have over 40 years of experience, serving over 10 million customers they maintain a sex positive philosophy positive. we're sex positive I'm all about it i am positive i'm that positive I... i'm positive about sex <laughs> and adam and eve is the nation's largest marketer of adult products with millions of satisfied satisfied customers nationwide keyword there satisfied satisfied uh, the company offers customers the latest products at the most competitive prices with outstanding service. And at Adam and Eve, customers can choose from a large array of adult sex toys, lingerie, lubes, lotions, condoms, and novelty items. And if you use the Adam and Eve link in the description below, you not only can support your sex life, but you can support your boys. Yeah. That's right. You support... This is my bourbon podcast by heading to adameve.com in the description below. Thank you so much to Adam and Eve for supporting the show. And thank you for thinking about supporting your ongoing sex life. It's important, people. Yeah, you just reminded me. I got to order something new. <laughs> We are incredibly excited to be welcoming back to this My Bourbon podcast, Trip Stimson, the uh, head blender, and you're, you're just kind of like a jack of all trades at, at Barrel at this point, too, right, Trip? It's, you wear a lot of different hats when you uh, start with an idea and, and turn it into something. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been since 2020 that uh, we we chatted, and there have been a lot of big ongoing changes uh, within the company since then. So, uh, first of all, I just want to kind of ask you how you been man how how have things felt since uh the pandemic kind of ended and as you've uh, gone back to a normal state of operation with with barrel yeah it's it's kind of been a whirlwind for us you know with the uh everything that unfortunately happened during uh during 2020 it, it uh you know it drove uh drove a lot of people to explore the uh the, the bourbon industry i guess everybody was at home and so I guess there is a, a silver lining to an unfortunate situation, but uh, a lot of people were, you know, were exploring the the, the bourbon offerings of the industry, and uh, so you know we've we've continued to grow through that. We had a lot of hurdles to go through, and that's you know right about the time we were expanding into our new facility, uh, we had we bought a uh, had bought a new building in 
2020. It was at the, it was at the end of 2020. We actually purchased the building and uh, started plans for our, uh, our operational expansion. Uh, so, you know, you can imagine how difficult that was during that time, uh, sure. you know, buying the building and starting the design work and really figuring out what we were going to, what we were going to do, uh, how we were going to lay everything out. So we can, we can talk more about that, uh, moving forward, but, uh, yeah. yeah, man, things, things are great. Things are exciting. You know, we're actually in that space now. Uh, yes, you are. so yeah, things are awesome. Did, did you feel any kind of, uh, any kind of pressure when you were going into the creation of the blend that was exclusive to the release of the new space? Um, are you talking about the 10 year anniversary? Yes. The 10 year anniversary. Sorry. So th that was a, uh, that was a fun thing that we put together. Um, you know, we, we were just talking about you know, all the things that were going on. So we're literally right before our grand opening, we're going through this process of getting our final inspection getting all the licenses in place and, and all of this literally happens the Thursday before our grand opening of in the next week. So everything sort of came together at once. And, and while all this is going on, we're thinking, you know, we, we should probably have some sort of celebratory blend to, uh, to, to help, you know, bring this thing home. And so we started working on our 10th anniversary blend. That's what we, uh, that's what we toasted on, uh, at our grand opening. And, uh, it was a huge hit, uh, so a lot, lot of fun putting that together. Uh, and in lieu of that as well, you guys have uh, introduced this new product to the foundation, this uh, five-year minimum, just kind of ready on the shelf pour too. Um, when when we first talked uh, back in, in 2020, uh, I, I remember asking you specifically too about like, you know, what your favorite batch was at the time and, uh, you know, your answer was the next one. Um, so I, it, I, I imagine that things had to shift mentally for you too, for you and the team when you were crafting this, because this isn't the next one. Now this is the one at this point, right? Yeah. So it's funny. It's funny you bring that up because that is my my typical response to that question. It's the next one. And, and the reason that is, is because we're always coming up with new ideas and trying to work at, uh, you know, blend, blending the next big release, whatever that's going to be. And so while we have lots of, I'll say lots of favorites along the way for different reasons, there's so much focus that goes into sort of laying the platform and, and approaching the process for whatever release we're working on. Uh, that that it, it takes so much of that focus that it really it's it really is my favorite at the time. I mean, it's eating up all my energy creating uh, creating that product, so it really does become uh, my favorite. Uh, but you know, foundation specifically, you know, up until foundation, everything we had done for the ten years prior had always been cast strength. You know, we started out with our batches where we would blend. Uh, limited release one-off batches everything yeah. at cast strength and we sort of transitioned into into whiskeys uh and then we started doing some uh some finishing work where we would finish whiskeys in in one type of cask and uh, use a different blend of whiskeys with that cask and then it was well you know if we if we can get these types of flavors out of one cask maybe we should try two casks and then it was multiple mash bills across multiple casks and so at each right. one of these steps, we're creating 
uh, lots of different types of flavor that can then be used as components in more complex blends. So when you really embrace that process, the sky's really the limit. The trick is that you still want to taste everything that's going into that blend. And so as we sort of proceed through the years, we're getting more and more complex with the, the grain bills we're using, the, the states and distilleries that we're using, the ages, the, um, the type of maturation, the, the, the cask, the toast and char level. And so all of these things are coming into play. And then we're going outside of that. And we're finding all of these interesting types of casks all over the world that are bringing unique flavors in and of themselves that, again, help to sort of build this flavor matrix that we're creating across all of the components that go into making blends. And so that really gets us through a lot of the finished stuff that we've done. It, it, a lot of that goes into the private release series uh, that we talked about last time. And it, and it brings us up to this first release uh, called Barrel Foundation that is the first product we've ever released that was not cast strength. And so what really got us to, to doing that is that, you know, we see what's going on in the world. We're consumers too. And we know that whiskey can be expensive a lot of times. And what foundation does is it on a couple of different levels um, is, is a very approachable product that can be consumed neat um, on the rocks and in cocktails uh, it's, it's, it's a very complex product, but it's a, uh, it gives people, it, it gives consumers the opportunity to enter the barrel craft spirits portfolio at a, uh, at a, at a little bit lower price point than where you typically find our cast strength batches and finishes. Uh, and so at about $55 on the shelf, you get a very complex, uh, blend in foundation age stated at five years old, but there's five, six, eight, and nine year old whiskey in there from several yeah. different States. Yeah. And what was really fun about creating this product is that we use the, you know, the, the tools in our toolbox that we've created all these other products with to create foundation. And so traditionally when you blend cast strength products together, you're taking all of this concentrated flavor at high alcohol, blending it together, and you're still maintaining that, that complex high level of alcohol and flavor concentration. When you start diluting all of the individual components, some of the uh, flavors that you're after can sometimes disappear a little bit. Sometimes they get covered up. That perception threshold really begins to shift in different directions. And, and you start to lose some of the flavors that maybe you want in that blend. So, sure. so using our, um, so, so using our, our process that, that we go through to create blends, to blend something that's not cast strength at a hundred proof, but maintaining the flavor complexity uh, in, in the finished product was a, a real challenge and a lot of fun to do. I, I really appreciate too that, uh, you know, with this being an introduction to Barrelcraft Spirits, it doesn't feel so different, though, from the other products that you all have have built practically uh, throughout this. I mean, it it feels very much like yeah. it's got the the depth of richness and complexity that you know batches like twenty one and nine and and fifteen did. 
um, that were, you know, such standouts for people. And, and this is, I feel like, almost antithetical to the way that a lot of brands would build their portfolio in that they would start out with a lower proof product and then come back around to something higher proof. But to me, this shows more of your all's persistence of of building your craft. Uh, so, I, I mean, I've got to say kudos to that, man. I mean, y'all, y'all have really built something special with this release. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that you kept it 100 proof because uh, like right now, like I'm in like a spot where like I'm buying less and I'm looking for more of those bottles that can just sit in the kitchen. And if I want to pour it neat, like you just said, like if I want to pour it neat or my my wife likes old fashions, like I could do this. It's not high proof. She doesn't like too much high proof in her old fashions. And I don't like too many things that are under like 90 proof and things like that. So you kind of hit that sweet spot at a hundred proof and you made it affordable and you made it something that's like a utility that I can sit in the kitchen. And if it, you know, people drink it neat, they put it on ice, they put it in a cocktail. It tastes good. And I can tell just by drinking it neat, it's going to taste good in all those ways anyway. And plus it's affordable. So I can just, you know, go out and grab another one. So I appreciate you looking at the whole picture like that because yeah, like you said, right now, whiskey's getting expensive. Yes, you know? <laughs> it is. That's been an ongoing conversation on the podcast over the past few weeks is just how wild the, the market has gotten, though. But I, I have to ask, too, specifically about this. Did, did, did it just kill you a little bit to have to proof down the blend uh, when you started with it at Cast Strength? You know, it's you know, personally, no, <laughs> it, it really didn't. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, me personally, I do like cast strength products but yeah i also like good flavor and oh, not all bourbons that i like are cast strength and there are a lot of people in the bourbon market who don't drink cast strength but would appreciate uh complex flavorful products so really what this did is give us an opportunity to reach out to those people those people who might not know who barrel craft spirits is those people who you know, are, are consumers of fine bourbon, but, you know, cast strength's just not their thing. This gives them the opportunity to see what sort of complexity and flavor can be built into a product that's not cast strength. That's, you know, it's, it's middle of the road, right? Hunter proofs kind of middle of the road for, for, for bourbon proof these days. And to be able to build that type of flavor into a hundred proof product shows people what can be done. And also it, it opens the door and segues in to a lot of the other types of products that we create with the same sort of process in mind. I think that what can get lost a lot of times for uh, bourbon enthusiasts, bourbon uh, uh, collectors, whatever, um, is this this notion that create, excuse me, those who are, are building product uh, likely are keeping the, the consumer in mind, right, throughout the, the, their process of, you know, actually curating what goes into the bottle. But on, on the flip side of that, there are people who don't always, you know, line up with what you're trying to put into a bottle. Was there any kind of, like, active talk about, you know, for somebody who 
maybe you know saw the price point uh, closer to a hundred dollars or the higher proof. I mean, was was that conscious or was that something that you just you all just kind of were like, hey, it's time to move into this? Again, I, I think the the conversation was more about having a product that uh, from a, a, a purchase price is a little more inviting in the bourbon space, but also having the, the, the flavors and the complexity hold up in a product that is dilute from cast strength uh, and still be able to uh, be enjoyed either neat on the rocks and hold up in, uh, in a cocktail. So it, it was, it was sort of, it was multifaceted as we, sure. you know, made that decision to move in that direction. We've, uh, we've run into, uh, our own little challenge, uh, and this is nothing against, uh, barrel by any means. It, it's us trying to, um, convince, cause we're, you know, at, at this point, like life as, as far as the life of a bourbon drinker goes, lifelong fans of of what you all do and we've been trying to get people to buy our barrel rye pick finished in uh armagnac casts we partnered with uh david of the whiskey ring podcast um with this this blend of uh rye whiskeys and i I, I just did a podcast with david not too long ago oh did you really we talked about that yeah. He's a he's a wonderful friend, a wonderful guy, a great friend of the show and everything. But this is, uh, I mean, truly one of my favorite picks that we've ever gotten to do. But um, have, have you have you had the chance to try this one? I, I did try it. It's an excellent choice. We got the approval. Yes, it, a- <laughs> it was a very unique picking experience, too, because it's almost like we all three picked it separately, like. Perry did a Perry sampled it on his own. I sampled it on my own. David kind of sampled it along with Perry on their own, and we all came to the same agreement on that sample. So yeah. it was like, you know, it it is, and it. I will I will be the first to admit right now. I'm in like a finished whiskey like fatigue at the moment because I think we're seeing it everywhere, um, and this is I I do enjoy this one a lot, but. I think I was going to, I was telling Perry, I was going to ask you is like, do you ever, do you ever, you're, you know, you're blending something up or you're drinking a single barrel and you're getting ready to put it in a cask and you just want to like stop and be like, I don't know if this one needs to go in a cask. You're like, (laughs) maybe we need to rethink this. Does that come up a lot? Or you, you know, you're kind of just focused and you're like, you know, this has got to go in that cask or whatever. And it's going to go in there. Do you ever like kind of second guess yourself of whether that should be its own thing? You know, it's a great question, and we go through that dilemma all the time. Um, <laughs> so you, when you have when you have a bunch of SKUs, um, and you're, you've got, you know, we, we had a, a, a single barrel program, and then we have the private release program, and then we have blends, and then we have different series of products, and then we have our evergreens, and so you know, all of these things sort of have characteristics in and of themselves, and then there's some carryover between the two, and so we're constantly tasting all these different you know, lots or groupings of barrels trying to find unique ones that sort of get earmarked for all these different, you know, special blends or, or, or you know, uh, special individual barrel projects. And there are so many times where we will taste one of those barrels and say, man, this is great. Let's finish it in this. And then we'll back up and say, well, wait a minute. Maybe we should put this in a batch. <laughs> 
and, and then we'll say, well, if we put it in a batch, though, then we're going to lose certain characteristics. This barrel's so good right. on its own. So sometimes we'll just set that barrel aside because it's the constant dilemma of, you know, there's this, there's so much unique characteristic in this one specific barrel that we want to hold on to it. Uh, if we put it in the finishing casket, it's going to change. If we put it in a blend, it's going to do great things for that blend, but maybe we lose some of the characteristic of the cask. So there's this, this constant back and forth of trying to make that decision. And it's never easy. You know, it's never easy to make those decisions. I, I imagine that part of the like bourbon enthusiast, you know, bourbon, bourbon drinker, bourbon lover, uh, that, that part of your brain kind of comes out in some of those moments too. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah. <laughs> sometimes I find myself saying, well, maybe I need to take a 750 of this and just set it on the shelf and hold on to yeah, it. There you go. I don't want to let it all go. <laughs> I, I, I want to also talk a little bit more about the <clears throat> kind of the, the state of finishing uh, with, with barrel as well, because I, to, to me, I feel like the past couple of years have taken a little bit of focus off of the the finishing process that you guys did for for a while and has kind of shifted more to looking at you know specific batches uh or you know the actual like craft of building uh spirits you know that that are on uh, a particular batch in a particular batch um is is that something that it, it, am i off base with that uh kind of assumption there um I think it's, we still have our fundamental focus on blending bourbon. So we still do the batch bourbons, you know, all that's still in place. And then you know, when, it, when we go into finishing again, that's, that's more of a, a flavor quest, as I'll say sometimes, about seeking out unique flavors to build, uh, build into products that are greater than the sum of their parts, right? So you know, once we get outside of the, the traditional batch bourbon blends, we have our evergreen series that we call them evergreens because they're always available. Uh, the seagrass, the dovetail, the vantage, you know, those products are all finished in three separate casts. They're multiple blends using different mash bills uh, that are all they're, they're blended together to create the product. You know, with the seagrass and the dovetail using casts that previously had something in them. And then the Vantage, where we used uh, toasted American oak, French oak, and the Mizunara to, and, and all of those were made for us. Those were those were all virgin barrels, never had anything in them. Uh, you know, using the, the virgin wood to see exactly what sort of contribution from the wood to the whiskey we would get across the different mash bills and the different ages, and then using all of that liquid to then put component blends together and then blend to get the finished product, get the final product. Um, it's, it, you know, the, the, the process is very similar across all of those. So the, you know, the, the, the finishing we, we're staying, I think we're staying pretty, pretty true to what we do in the process of finishing while still holding true, true on the, the, the batch, you know, the, the traditional bourbon blends, if you will, the traditional batch bourbon blends. I, I, think part of what we're part part of the reason that I think I'm more aware of this kind of shift to or the way that I feel like it's a it's a shift is because Eric and I have had just an ongoing conversation about yeah how 
everything seems like it's finished right now and you you have to you know play by xyz rules right now to kind of keep up with it but you know i i I am curious just from a producer standpoint i mean do you all feel any of that pressure to keep up with some of that like you know amberana is a great example everything is coming out uh as as amberana finished right now um and it's not that you all didn't have an amberana finish but you all took a different approach to it too you blended in unfinished bourbon to kind of cut some of that but what was did you all feel any of that in it innate pressure or was that something that you kind of were like we could make this work in our own way well, I would say specifically to Amberana, and and I'm sure you've had multiple expressions of Amberana. We had some ta- earlier. <laughs> <laughs> when you taste Amberana directly out of the barrel, it is extremely polarizing. It is very, very concentrated flavor, almost to the point where it could be difficult to drink, uh, you know, more than just a little bit. And so we started playing with Amberana, you know, over, you know, it's been probably a year and a half or so now we started playing with Amberana finished whiskeys with the plan to release something. And what we found is that it was so incredibly concentrated at a very young, uh, very young age that in order to reduce that contribution from the barrel, we're going to have to do some, some, you know, some interesting blends so that you can still get, whiskey contribution as well as the finish from the Amberana barrel. And so that took a little bit of time to really fine tune that. And just a, a quick example of how quickly you get contribution from Amberana. We pulled samples after a week and there was hands down, no doubt in my mind that this had been an Amberana barrel. I mean, it was so concentrated. <laughs> you could pop the cork from across the room and smell it. And so that's after one week. And so we've, we've had stuff in there for over a year, just kind of seeing where it goes, pull samples and everything else. But again, when we go back to our blending style, the goal here is not to cover up whiskey. The goal right. is to, to put blends together so that whiskeys accentuate each other and then finishes it further accentuate the blend so that you get all of those characteristics all at the same time. And the overall consumption of the whiskey becomes an experience not just a drink. Do you, do you have like a, um, a competitive nature about you? Because I feel like me personally, I think some of the first finished stuff I ever tried was barrel. And like, I feel like you all have been doing it for a while for the longest, maybe, I know there's been like Sherry casts, all this stuff, but do you ever like scroll through like social media or somebody sends you something and you're just like, I did that first because <laughs> I, I, I feel like I would be that way because there's been I do stuff with like pairing snacks and stuff with whiskey and like I, I had done it done some like years ago and then all of a sudden somebody posts something and they're like I've, I've figured out this pairing and I'm, I'm just like I did that already but what do you mean figured out yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh do you have that or do you just kind of like you know everybody's doing their own thing but you know you're just going to stay in your path and keep trucking or do you do you get a little competitive or do you ever have that desire to just be like we did that already do you well I'll, so so a, a couple of different answers to that one <laughs> I don't do much on social media I, I'm I'm not that guy um and, and two, I think as human beings, we're a little competitive. 
I think, you know, we, we don't have much of a choice when it comes to being competitive to some degree. I think it's just yeah, built sure, into it. Sure. Um, but our, you know, if you go back, if you go back 10 years ago, again, when we first started, there were lots of people building distilleries. Everybody getting into the, into the business wanted to build this distillery. They wanted to distill their own product. They wanted to have tourism and a gift shop and entertainment. They want to do all this other stuff. And you know, at, at that point in time, I'm telling people that, you know, that's there's multiple businesses within that creation. And you don't necessarily need to have the distillery to build the brand. I said, build the brand, make the brand successful. And then the success uh, of the brand will justify the need for the distillery or, you know, whatever your operational facility would be. And so when I met Joe originally in 2014, he'd already figured all that stuff out. So then the question for us was, if we already know that we don't want to do this, what, what's the path forward? What are we going to do? And that's when we started talking about really owning the blending space. Because at that point in time, you know, blending was a four letter word. People, you know, people didn't want to talk about yeah. blending. They wanted to know where right, your DSP right. is, where your distillery is, what's the mash bill, all this other stuff. But, you know, we, we decided that we wanted to focus on what we were putting in the bottle. We wanted to make the most flavorful, complex product we can and offer that to the consumers. And that was incredibly difficult 10 years ago. But what's happened over the last 10 years is that the consumers have started saying, you know what, I'm really curious about the flavors in this product, or I'm curious where flavors come from, or I wonder how they make this. You know, consumers are starting to ask all of these questions and become very curious about producers and how they create their products. So, you know, we, we were, you know, we were blending and then we were finishing and we're doing all this and, you know, 2014 to 2016, we're, we're going through uh, different types of finishing. And what's happened over the years is we've continued to really hone our blending skills in that we're adding more and more blended, you know, blending more and more stuff together with more and more finishes into one product. And that's why you're mm. seeing uh, like the, the seagrass and the dovetail advantage all have three separate uh, finishes, three separate finishing casts. Right. And then with each, right. in, within each of those casks, there were, you know, there were, who you know, five, 10 different grain bills from who knows where in the United States. And each of those creates a whole other layer of complexity. And so we, we continue to go down this path of seeking out the flavors that are going to make unique and interesting products so that we have this, this infinite toolbox of flavors that we can use to build uh, to build from, to create, you know, you know, products like, uh, like the seagrass, the vantage, or even the cast finish series that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Sounds good to me. That's a very <laughs> professional, professional way to say it. As opposed to me who would be like calling somebody out. No, but I appreciate that. But yeah, like I said, I think I still have my, f the first bottle of dovetail that I think was released. And that was one of the first really like, times that I took a drink of something and I was like, this is different. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, you know, it's taking a break from my single barrels and doing all that stuff. And, and so I always think about like you guys being one of the first things that I drank that was actually finished. Well, let's, um, let's talk about the, a couple of the special cask finish releases that you all have out right now too. Um, 
I, we'll, we'll talk about Tale of Two Islands first, because I think this is the one that um, truly, like, it, when I was reading through, you know, the press release and seeing what was going to be available, uh, was something that really jumped out at me as, yes, being unique and, and different, uh, but also, you know, that sense of familiarity, because these were casks that had been used before. Um, but, you know, clearly there was still quite a bit of life left in them, too. Um, was was that uh, something that you took as inspiration or were you just kind of ready to do something else in the same space? Well, it, it's funny, and we should probably set the stage here for some of the listeners who may not know exactly the, the lineage right. of this. But it was it was a, a one big conversation when we started uh, when we started talking about this, and so the the original product was a seven year old Jamaican high ester pot still rum that we released as our uh, barrel rum batch one. And so we, we had uh, a little bit of that rum left over and we wanted to create some sort of finish with rum. And at the time we didn't have any idea what it was going to be. We had, you know, 25 or 30 different samples laid out on the bench top and Joe and I were going through tasting all these things like, okay, this is terrible. This will never work. Uh, let's move <laughs> on. It's like this one, this one's not, this is it. Let's keep going. And we got to the final sample and it was an Isla Scotch cask. And it's like, wow, you know, this, this could be something here. And so where we ended up going is taking the leftover rum that we had from our batch one, which at that point in time was eight years old and putting eight year old Jamaican pot still highest rum in Isla Scotch casks. And we, when you say that, it's like, there's no way that can work. But, you know, we, we, we talked about this in 2020 and it was one of the most fascinating products that, uh, that we had put together at, at to that date and it works so well together with the the sweetness from the rum and just the hint of peat in the scotch it, it works so well together it was just amazing and just after we dumped the product to create or dumped the barrels to create that product we then filled those barrels back up with bourbon and so at the time we didn't know quite what we were going to do with it, but we knew we were going to do something with it because it was, it tasted too good to let it go. So fast forward a few years and we have, uh, this, uh, tale of two islands finished bourbon or bourbon finished in the tale of two islands casks. So we have the original, they were makers mark, uh, bourbon barrels that had, uh, scotch in them originally that then came back to the states and we put rum in them dumped the rum and then put bourbon back into them and then used all of that bourbon to blend together to create this tale of two islands finished so there's there's quite a lineage with the casts that have been uh, that have been used in this series and the great thing about this this particular product is that you can actually taste you can still actually taste the, um, the the rum characteristics with just a hint of the peat in there from the scotch barrels. Now, I'm going to call you out a little bit. Okay. Me? Eric. Uh, I'm going to call Eric out. Not not you, Trump. Oh. Uh, because you, uh, <laughs> you're not the biggest peated scotch guy. 
I'm not a Pete and Scotch guy at all. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, you got me out on that. <laughs> but I, th- I think that you and I can agree, though, that there is a good middle ground within this product that kind of pleases a lot of different whiskey drinkers, a lot of different spirits oh, yeah. drinkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. As well. Um, and and I, I think that's what's the most exciting for for me to celebrate not that the you know the product inside shouldn't be celebrated because it absolutely should i think it's a terrific bottling um i i think that you know there there is something this is not the phrase that i think is particularly appropriate for this but reaching across the aisles as it were uh between whiskey drinkers i think that there is just this opportunity here um, to and and rum drinkers as well that um, that the the tale of two islands bourbon allows for for people um, and I, I think you all did that exceptionally well Thank um, you. but of course um, but I I also think too that it it bears speaking about like the the wider impact that this may have or that it might contribute to the ongoing uh, Infinity product, uh, the Infinite Barrel project as well. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit as well, because I don't think that that gets as much publicity kind of that uh, some of your other projects do within Barrel. So the the Infinite Barrel project was something that we, we started releasing in... Oh gosh, 2018. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and again, this this is just a, a flavor exercise, a flavor quest, where we're we're taking product from all over the world, unique whiskeys from all over the world, and blending them together to create a product. And we would bottle a portion of that product. And it's, it's almost like a, uh, a small batch or an individual release that is then offered to the public. And then the remainder of that becomes a component and we add more whiskeys to it. And we've done that over and over and over. We've done it, you know, some, some 15, 16 times now, I think. And what we're doing at each point is just replacing the whiskey we pull out with unique and complex whiskeys uh, that we find all over the world to build back up the, the, uh, the volume. And in doing that, we're continuously concentrating all the flavors in that blend. And it's a, it's a super fun project for us to do. And it's funny too, because when you, if you talk to anybody, I don't know if you guys have an infinity bottle or not, but if you, if you talk to anybody who has an infinity bottle, you know, it's, it's, it's usually the, uh, the, the, uh, decanter you got at some wedding and it's, it's, it sits on the <laughs> counter and you, you don't use it for anything. And, that's going to be my infinity bottle. Two ounces so you, left over, throwing it right. in there, that's you know, right. so whatever. You take yeah. the last little bit and you throw it in there. And by the time you fill it up, you taste it. It's like, my God, this tastes terrible. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and so Trip, that, that, I need some help. And that's usually the story we get. And, and, and while that's not exactly the way we create our, our infinite barrel project, that's sort of the basis of, of, sure. um, you know, the, the big picture, I guess. Right, right. So it, it, you know, one of the things that we keep, I think, 
harkening back to is just that everything that is done within Barrel is incredibly intentional, right? Um, and we we talked about you know the in, in our previous interview your blue sky sessions, right? Mm-hmm. Where everybody sits around and you're just kind of bringing out as many ideas as you possibly can and distilling them down into particular products. And I'm, I'm curious too, along the way with the infinite barrel project and, you know, bringing back up uh, tale of two islands as well. What has that process looked like? How has that changed over the past couple of years as well? Well, I, I think the the blue sky meetings are great. You know, we, we have those periodically, and, and it is. It's just it's just an, an an idea session. Sure. It's you know everybody's throwing stuff out. Some of it's outlandish. Some of it's crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you can take outlandish and crazy and put them together and come up with something that's pretty fun. Sure. Uh, so we we continue to have those meetings and, and go through that process. And you know, those ideas that come out of that meeting are getting more and more realistic, let's say, because we've done so much to this point that the ideas that might have sounded a little bit crazy 10 years ago sound a heck of a lot less crazy today. Yeah. And so what it's allowing <laughs> us to do is continue to further build the, the complexity um, through you know finding unique flavors and, and blending them into a product. Has there ever been anything that did come about? You don't have to name a product if it's one that we drink in or anything. But, but is there ever, <laughs> anything ever happened by mistake? And you're like, oh, my God, like this is it right here. <laughs> or has that been something you took home and you're like, I'm keeping this for myself? <laughs> um, you know, there have been... Okay, I will I will tell you this. He's treading, there, there, he's treading lightly <laughs> here. There, there, was, there, there was a time when we had... Uh, we had some rum and we had some whiskey that were close in proximity together that were supposed to stay close in proximity and not end up in the same <laughs> vessel. And for, for, for some reason they ended up partially in the same vessel. So we had this, this whiskey rum cocktail that, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do with. And it, it's it's sort of a fun little little product, you know. It's it's um it's got good flavor to it. Uh, we use it you know sporadically in, in some things, but it's uh it's one of those things we still have it. Not real sure what we're going to do with it, but you know it's it's you know, I've, I've talked to people about these these types of things, and they really become components. And you know, in and of itself, it may not be a product, but it will be the solution to a problem that we don't have yet. Yeah, and so it, it will fill holes in some future project that we have you know, yet to undertake. I, I would say that has to be like as a blender, you have to kind of, you probably almost feel like you don't want to get rid of anything, right? Because it's like maybe there's, you know, not. I'm not saying you're a hoarder, but like you know, <laughs> there's probably that part of you in that's like I may use that again. You know, maybe it's hundred percent. Yeah, and it's like I need that one thing, and you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, I need that. I need that mistake blend or something like that. So that's that's cool. So you you are absolutely right, and I am unashamed at that point because <laughs> we we get we get asked all the time, have you ever had something that didn't work 
or you know the, the mistake question and, and so my response to that is that nothing is ever uh, wrong or didn't work it's just not right yet sure and and so what i mean is that when you when you stay the course it, it's the conversation that we have with ourselves about creating this blend and that the blend that we have in front of us might not be right it's because it's missing something so our job as the blender is to figure out what it's missing go find that flavor or those flavors and put them in the blend at the right concentration so that everything in there works together so it's never wrong and it's never um, you know it, it's it's never it's never a bad blend it, it's just we're not to the finish line yet. We're not done with it. Yeah. And so these little these little mistakes or these little uh, things that we work on that may not work uh, as an individual product, they always end up filling a hole or solving a problem in the future. Trip, I have to ask too because I think that that's a nice segue into uh, discussing talking about the the release this year of Barrel Rye Batch Four. Uh, it's been three years, right, since a, a barrel rye product had had been released, and it kind of sounds like there there were some "it's not right yet" conversations that happened around the crafting of that brand. You know, I think when we when we approach putting blends together that we're going to release to the public, uh, whatever we blend and put in the bottle has to deserve to be there. And so we've, we've had a lot of fun blending the rise, you know, batch one through three. And those were great products. Those were unique products. They were well-rounded products. You, you could find the traditional spice in those products, but there were lots of other flavor characteristics in there that made that rye a little more approachable from somebody who might not drink just rye, but the rye connoisseur would appreciate the flavor characteristics as well. So there was a little bit of time lag figuring out what we were going to do for, for Rye Batch 4 because we wanted to stay true to that model. I didn't want to just take, uh, you know, a, a standard, you know, 95% rye and pick a proof and put it in the bottle. You know, that's not what we do. We wanted to find some unique rye and put a blend together that really put some focus on, uh, on traditional rye characteristics but put a little bit of fruit in there, rounded out some of the, some uh, traditional bourbon notes uh, and, and gave you more of an experience in the rye category than just your traditional spice bomb. I mean, I, I, I will say one of my favorite ryes was um, the rye batch two. Oh yeah. Uh, but I have rye batch one and I don't even have it opened yet because I think I don't know if I bought them around the same time or if I just didn't. So um, that is definitely one I'm going to get into because that I don't know that rye batch two to me like it still sticks out in my head. Like I wish that I still had some of it, um, but I don't know. I've loved I've loved the barrel rye products that you've had before, so I'm definitely looking forward to batch four. And I I am I am hoping too, of course, that we see more of them in the future and i you know i know of course that you're right it takes time and everything but we you and i are such big fans of i, I mean yeah that I right and i don't know it's just like you're saying it is more of like 
a little bit of extra fruit in there as opposed to just the rye. Because I love rye. I love rye. I, I can drink rye in the summer. I can, you know, some people don't want to drink rye till it gets fall or winter. But I don't know. I love just taking a break from just your normal bourbon and taking a, and getting a rye. Um, and I feel like it is a rye that at least those batches that I've had that you can drink year round. Like it just, like you said, it has just enough of that extra component to be, you know, for a bourbon drinker that only exclusively drinks bourbon to like it. And then maybe the person who really loves spicy rye, they're still going to get what they want out of it too. So I'm looking forward to batch four. That reminds me of, um, during our, our chat and a few years ago trip that you said you like fruit in all of your whiskeys and you know, you prefer it. It's something I think what you said was a lot of people say, don't put any fruit in my beer. Um, but you know, coming from two guys who enjoy a good <laughs> fruit, fruit sour ale, good you know, beer, yeah. I mean, we, we appreciate that, that extra layer of, uh, of complexity as well. Um, I want to circle back to as well, talking about the, uh, the Amberana finish. This is the other, uh, cask series, cask finish series, excuse me, uh, that's out right now. As I, Eric and I kind of said, I uh, before, it is a, a uniquely very well-balanced uh, Amberana-finished product. Um, but I feel like people are kind of turned off by Amberana right now with how prevalent it is. Well, I think that was the one that I said, this is the most un-Amberana. Yeah. I was like, and I actually, you know, that was a good thing to me. Like, I was <laughs> like, like you said, like, I've had some that... that I. Perry poured it for me and it smelled like cologne or perfume or something like straight out the thing. And that one was nice because it just had a touch of, you know, a little bit of that gingerbread or some, something that I was getting as opposed to just hitting me in the face. So, mm -hmm. so my, my question is what, what was, um, what, what did you learn from having to take something? And I know we talked a little bit about this, but I, I want to hone in specifically on, you know, the, the larger picture of, I want to hone in on a larger picture is what I just said. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> what I'm asking is, uh, in, in, in a grander sense, this experience with having to blend with something that is as aggressive in nature as Amberana, um, what, what lessons are you taking into further blending, moving on from that into some of these uh, other projects that you have on the horizon? Well, so I think it's it's important to know too that with our Amberana product, we used actual sustainably harvested barrels. There are lots of alternatives on the market that are, um, you know, staves and spirals and uh, you know, uh, different different types of cubes and whatever you can use to to drop in whiskey, and and if, if that's the way you want to go, that's fine. But we actually sought out and sustainably harvested Amberana barrels. We have a, um, a, a, a map of where in the rainforest the wood was harvested. And we have the, uh, the, basically the chain of custody from the, from the, the forest to the, the stave mill to the cooperage and then to us. So, so we, we know the life of, of the barrels that we know the life of the wood that was used to create the barrels that we used to create the product. And that was really important to us when we, when we were, you know, approaching this product. And then as we started 
putting whiskey into the barrels and really seeing how quickly and how concentrated the flavor is in across the different mash bills. It was it was sort of a, a wow moment for us because traditionally you don't get that kind of contribution in that sort of time frame. So, you know, part of me is thinking that we should pull some of this stuff out and, and start using it now. But then, you know, the inquisitive brain starts saying, well, where does this thing go? You know, if we, if we let this thing ride, where, you know, where does it go in a couple of years or longer? And then what do we do with that product? Uh, so it's, it's, it's a different approach with something that contributes flavor like Amberana, because I think there are different, um, different time points within the, the, the finishing process or the maturation process where you can pull from, uh, from those barrels to, to capture specific types of flavors or concentration of flavors that you want to use in a blend. And, uh, you know, we, we've continued to sample these barrels as they've, you know, sort of moved along the time frame, and we're, we're putting plans together to, uh, you know, play around with some other ways to use that flavor in different blends. Uh, and, and, you know, to, you know, not to get too far off Amberana, but Mizunar is very similar in the same sure. way. Right. Right. I was going to say, do you ever get any, like, um, say, you know, a project's coming up or you're going to blend a new product. Do you ever get like maybe in your head or in these meetings that you guys have, you know, somebody's like, let's make, let's make a blend that tastes like this. Like if I was in there, I would be like, I've got this little Debbie snack cake, like a chocolate fudge round. I want you to blend me a whiskey that's a big chocolate bomb or something. Do you ever get like inspiration from like food or like maybe a snack or candy? And you're like, I want to try to blend something with this finish or Amberana or whatever that may taste like, you know, a candy or a snack or food or something like that. You know, like, I don't, no. I don't get a ton of inspiration <laughs> from food, but again, you know, we have a blending team and, you know, we have people in the company who are foodies who, who really like, you know, well-crafted and prepared food. And there's inspiration that comes through those experiences that help us to develop these products. And it's really the, the collaboration across people with different palates within the company that allow us to get to the answers a lot of times. Uh, but as far as the, you know, the, the little Debbie bourbon, man, I think you're on your own with that one. Yeah, probably. That's what people tell me. That's what I get a lot. But you know what? I'm just going to keep figuring it out. I, I can't help you with that. I mean, maybe we could try to put a little Debbie in the bourbon and just see what happens. Yeah, that's what kind of what I do. So, I mean, anytime you want to invite me over, like, I will. Jeez, oh, Louise. What? <laughs> what? I'll go to these Blue Sky Sessions. I'll, we'll put some snacks and some bourbon. Yeah, just, a, just a Bring all your snacks. Cool. with you yeah <laughs> i'm down down I, I gotta say trip you're not the first person either who has told eric he is on his own with the uh yeah. <laughs> the snack yeah, that's, oh, yeah. rob, <laughs> rob dietrich was very unhappy with you for asking that question yeah <laughs> i think i've learned but yeah, you know, yeah i gotta get it out there eventually yeah it'll, it's all it'll good stick, if you but... can't laugh about it <laughs> you know, that's what i say keep fun. it all fun yeah bourbon's exactly. supposed to be fun it's supposed to be fun i trip this has been uh, a lot of fun getting to chat with you man uh thank you so much uh for spending some time talking about barrel uh, i cannot wait to see 
uh, what's coming up in the future. You guys have batch 36, 37 on the horizon uh, with Barrel uh, coming into the new year. I guess we have uh, the new year batch coming up soon, too, uh, as well. But uh, again, thank you. It was great catching up with you, man. Um, Everybody come visit Trip in uh, in Louisville. Go see the new space and everything as well. But cheers, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a blast, and uh, we should definitely do it again soon. All right, y'all. We have talked about it. Now it's time to review about it. We are going to dissect Barrel Foundation 5-Year-Old 100 Proof (laughs) Bourbon. A blend of straight bourbon whiskeys contains 8-Year-Old Kentucky, 5, 6, and 9-Year-Old Indiana, 8-Year-Old Tennessee, and 5- and 6-Year-Old Maryland. The derived mash bill is 73% corn, 23% rye, and 4% malted barley. That Maryland got me. Because you know, you're used to hearing those three states. Yeah, I know. And you're like, Maryland? <laughs> I would have expected even like... New York? New York, sure. exactly, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Colorado, I don't know. Now, we've sipped on this a little bit, but I'm not, I was too busy trying to figure out how to ask Trip to blend me a little Debbie blend to actually like think about what I was drinking. So, To which he said, he emphatically, said, you're on your own. Kid. You're an idiot. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm waiting on my invitation to those, <laughs> <laughs> those brainstorm meetings. Little Debbie blend. <laughs> um, this is one of the most bourbon-y bourbons yeah. I have ever had. You know, and I hate, I hate when I do this, but I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody cares. And I think the listener understands when I smell this. I smell like a, I kind of compare it to like some kind of like bottled, like a, like an early times bottled in bond or something like, you know, you know, and I'm not trying to bring up another brand when we're reviewing barrel. I'm just saying this reminds me of a good bottled in bond, hundred proof bourbon that like we said in the interview that can just be up in the shelf, ready to pour neat on the rocks, cocktail, whatever you want to do. It reminds me of kind of those, you know, like an early times bottle and bond. Yeah. Or something. I think that it really, to me, harkens back to the Elijah Craig's that made me fall in love with bourbon. Um, the pirate bottles when they mm-hmm. had removed the age statement, uh, even some of those like later days when they had moved the age statement to the back of the bottle instead of it being the big red 12. Yeah. Um, great times i miss h stated elijah craig that wasn't barrel proof as much as i love h stated elijah craig barrel proof i miss the the small batch from there's just something on like it's like you get some kind of like it's almost like a banana banana bread on the right on the end of the nose Mm. but when you taste it that is kind of up front so it it does a good job of going from nose to palate like yeah a lot of times we get frustrated, or at least I do, and I've said it before, the nose didn't line up with the palate, and I got, you know, upset or whatever. But this kind of goes bourbony, banana bready, banana bread on the palate, back to kind of just that bottled and bond type. I know it's not a bottled and bond, but type bourbon. Yeah. There is a huge mid-palate boost where it just, like, yeah, it does start off kind of continuing on from the nose, but 
it's pretty soft, mm-hmm. right? It's not really in your face until it gets to the mid palate, and then it just explodes with like cinnamon spice, a lot of vanilla, um, some slightly kind of like dark chocolate, like bitter dark chocolate notes yeah. uh, as well. Finish is nice and like uh, it's it. This is a, a, a word I've never used to describe a finish before. Smooth? Tight. Oh, tight. It's very Ooh. like concentrated. Right? I can see that. I can see um, that. I see what you're saying. Like you know, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't do that, like, like evaporate spread. the hug. It's yeah. just like you you know concentrate. It's the sacred it's, timeline yeah. of, of yeah, finishes. Like, yeah, we got to pull it together and <laughs> got to keep it. And, um, no, it's a great finish. Um, I get a lot of you said bitter, kind of that dark chocolate bitter. I get a lot of the kind of coffee cocoa chocolate. Yes. Um, but yeah, it it to me it doesn't hit me as much in the mid palate like you said, but. It does on the finish. So, oh, okay. I, and I feel like we have that. We kind of that kind of comes up a lot. Like you get it kind of in the mid, and then I get kind of the same thing, but I get it on the finish. But it is a tight. I understand what you're saying exactly right now. The way I'm feeling, it is a tight finish. Kind of, you know, secluded right there to the middle. And concentrated, of, I think, is the the probably better term for it. But it, it's definitely. I like sacred timeline finish. Honestly. <laughs> So you watched season two? Yeah. Okay, good. We'll talk about it in tips and bits. Um, as far as a an entry level product for a brand, I think this is extremely accessible. I think that it hits on so many different nerves for bourbon drinkers that it will be pretty satisfying um, across the board. My only gripe, $55 can still be a lot of money for people. Yeah. So uh, if if it were closer to 40, 45, yeah. I mean, it would be, you know, passing with flying barrels. Sure. Okay. Donkey Kong? What am I trying to say? With flying colors? Flying. Yeah, flying colors. Flying colors. I kept going flag, banner, barrels. Uh, I don't know. I know what you're oh. saying. Yeah, <laughs> it it's one of those things where like we got to you know you look at the overall thing and everything's more expensive. So yeah, but still, still fifty five fifty dollars and above to me is still a. I got to think about this for a second. Yeah, um, but. It is a little, little bit more accessible than those hundred dollar bottles of barrel, so that is a good thing, and, and I appreciate them thinking of that instead of making it the same price. Yeah, absolutely. As everything else, and it's it's not that it's poorly priced. It's just you know we're talking about affordable. Um, could be less. That being said, though, I uh, it it does have a feeling of being well manicured. You know, yeah. it, it is very well crafted. Um, not a lot of like rough edges mm. to no, it either. It's very like uh, uh, it's concentrated. Know. Concentrated. Yeah. It's it's got smooth edges. I'm not saying it's a smooth. Like when you think about this, when I think about this in my head, like there are no like, you know, it's just very well rounded. Mm-hmm. I guess you would say. I got to be honest. I would love to try this in an old fashioned. Sure, we should make one. I think that sounds great. 
Nose Palette Finish and Price is our review system here on the podcast. Each category is out of five. Final score is out of 20. 20. 20. That's if um, Jim Carrey did our... Loser. Uh, what would you give the nose on this, Eric? Uh, 3.5. I think it is well above an average nose. Yeah. Nothing crazy that sticks out. I get a little bit on the end, like I said. It reminds me of banana, kind of early times type stuff. But it definitely smells like something that you said, like it's been crafted and made sure there's no rough edges <clears throat> on it. It just smells good. Yeah. I'm missing a little bit of kind of like a, a more oakier approach. There, there's in a little bit yeah, of leather. I will say there's this is not a somebody who loves like dark, smoky, cigar, leathery. You ain't gonna get this in this. Yeah, which I, I mean, that's just my own personal like. All right, that's I saying. wish it had a, a little bit of that, but I am in agreement with you. I think three point five is. Very solid. Uh, I'm going to go with a three on the palette. Um, I'm going to just cruise on along with a 3.5 because <laughs> it, it went from, to me, it went from nose to going, palette. Going down 75, you put yeah. cruise control on, cruise you're control, just hanging 3. out until you hit Bucky's. Yep. Yeah. 3.5 again. Uh, finish, I think, is really, really different and unique and just. I'm enjoying it. It's it that is the part of it that I think is making me want to go back the most. Yeah. To drink this. What's your score though? 3.5. 4. I think it's I think it's really good. I think it's great. And <laughs> yeah. I'm saying I'm I mean my price is a 3.5 too. I'm just going to say. <laughs> no, like I feel like this is a very consistent like a little bit above average everything. Yeah. It just from nose palette to finish you know, it could be a little bit cheaper, but I'm looking at it as things that taste similar to this. I'm I'm okay. I'm not mad at 55. Yeah. Um, it could be better. I could give it a four if it was a little cheaper. I'd give it a five. If it's a little cheaper, but it could be worse. So I'm 3.5 all the way through. Yeah, I think we wound up at the same uh, final score of a 14 because yeah. I also gave the price of 3.5. I think that this is the perfect jumping on point for barrel products. If you are trying to understand what they do as a brand, this is completely indicative of some of their higher end uh, batched releases. But at the same time, this does not fall short of being an exceptional bourbon in and of itself. No, this, this should... If you've been on the fence about buying like batch 35, whatever we're at. Yeah, 35. And you like this, that should be a good indication that you're probably going to like one of the more expensive um, batches. I wish I'd been able to bring 35 so we could try it alongside, but it's not where I am (laughs) living at the moment. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's good. I'd say if you want something a little, you know, put on your shelf. This is definitely something that I would be fine with pouring it in anything, sharing it, drinking it anyway, all that stuff. 100%. I have to make an apology. Okay. 
So a couple weeks ago, we got all excited about being able to call Bill Robarge on barrel rings. Yeah. And we completely neg- neglected to uh, listen to another <laughs> barrel ring. Oh, no. That was left for us. Did they call you out? They did, didn't they? Oh, no. Oh, no. So we've got a little bit of... Oh, um, no. We got a, a little bit of backtracking to do, as you can tell. Um, um, if you're listening for the first time, this is the segment where you can oh, yeah. send a voicemail or a text to 859-428-8253. Call the number, text it, leave the message. We'll play it on here. I'm going to apologize, too, because I'm, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know this happened. I didn't know. All right. So we've got a few barrel rings to get through. Here's the here's the first one. Hey, what's up, guys? Jared. Uh, just here in my basement watching the Bears get absolutely owned by the Chargers. Sorry. Uh, we're, we're, we're a terrible football team. Oh. Disappointing on multiple fan. levels. But I want to get uh, Derek's input on uh, some anime stuff. Oh. My son, oldest son is 11, uh, big fan of Dragon Ball, which, I mean, who isn't a fan of Dragon Ball? It's, I mean, it's Dragon Ball. Everyone is a fan. Um, also, My Hero Academia, Naruto, really just want to get his input on um, kind of what, where he should be going next. Like, what, what other series should he be looking into? Uh, we tried to watch some Full Metal Alchemist over the weekend. Uh, I'm a big fan of Full Metal Alchemist, uh, but... The streaming services that currently pay for it didn't have the original series, mm-hmm. just the Brotherhood, and there's too much missing, and it, it became a mess. We, yes. we quit and just watched Fast and Figures 2 instead. <laughs> nice. Really That's even bad. better. Not the best play when you're watching with a middle schooler, because there's some things in there that I probably shouldn't watch with a middle schooler. But yep. Yep. here we are. So, uh, yeah, just want to get Derek some put on that. And, uh, yeah, have a good week. Uh, you know, my, my birthday's coming up on the 4th. Hopefully this makes it into the episode before then, because uh, there's a really high chance that there's going to be a completely um, awful voicemail left on the fourth from me, because my plan for my birthday is to just smoke some meat and drink some whiskey, and that is going to be my entire Saturday until 7.30 when Michigan feeds my Boilermakers their own asses. <laughs> That's how my birthday is going to end. So, all right. Uh, have a good week. Yeah. I'm sorry this has to go out in the podcast. See ya. Well, don't be sorry, Jared, because I'm sorry that um, not only did we miss that voicemail originally, but we also missed your birthday. So I think that... <laughs> Happy birthday to you. I think Jared might just be hate listening to the podcast at this point with all the times that I've slighted him. Oh, Jared. I'm okay. Hey, what's up, boys? Uh, it's Jared again. Um, I got to say, I got some beef this time. Oh, no. Uh, so you guys slighted me a couple times now this, this month. I didn't do anything. Uh, you guys barrel ring? I think I did. Uh, back on like the, uh, the 29th was during that uh, Bears game, Sunday night with the Chargers. Uh, so, sorry. Yeah, I think I left. Like I remember leaving one. I'm sorry. Uh, it's possible you guys had to cut it 
uh, it, it was a bear game, so I had been drinking a, a touch. Uh, I might have fallen asleep on the basement floor for an hour or so after the game ended. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't hear it. Um, that was kind of disappointing. And then, I don't know, like a month ago, I sent you guys an email. I had a couple samples I wanted to mail in for uh, Sampley Irresistible. Uh, I mentioned, I, I think I have, uh, I, I think I can ship them to Derek, but I, I kind of wanted to confirm. Uh, but I never heard back. So this feels like the biggest slight since uh, Lettergate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyways, um, I did have a good birthday last week. Thanks for asking. And I hope you guys are having a, a good start to November. Got it. And I will talk to you later. Um, you are officially the number one fan of 10-Bit for the month of November. I'm going to self-proclaim you that. Uh, do we have to? Do we have to start monthly? Listener, no, I don't like know. listener of the month. Now we're starting right now for him. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry, we missed your birthday. Happy birthday. Sorry, the Bears. It's just they're the Bears. We all know. I'm, you keep up with me. I'm a Bills fan. The Bills are going to Bills. The Bears are going to Bears. It's just that's just how it is. Also, right now, yes, Eric. Uh, it's best place to send samples. But I'll have the PO box information though sooner than later. Yes. Um, hopefully, you don't hate us. And you're listening right now. Um, but go back to the anime thing for a second. Has yeah, he got another one? yeah, he's got another one. <laughs> oh. What? How many did he get? This is the last one. <laughs> or is he, is he mad again? No, he, he toned it down. As far as I know, oh, I haven't listened through or I anything. Feel so bad. I don't listen to these until I listen to them. His kid gave up anime now because I didn't give him an answer. All right, let's hear it. Hey, what's up, other boys? It's your buddy Jared here. I'm be a little less hostile on this call. Uh, just chilling in the basement, watching uh, watching football, drinking that beer I brewed up uh, my birthday. Me and Perry have been chatting about that on Facebook. Uh, but I want to call Did in you apologize, my thoughts on kind of what you and uh, Brian Bikey were talking about. <laughs> what I mean, an enthusiast. <laughs> to me, a bourbon enthusiast is someone with a genuine interest in, you know, enjoying bourbon, obviously, but also. Um, kind of trying different spirits, like not just saying I'm this brand and that's only that brand, trying different bourbon, trying craft, different varieties. Um, then there's also a level of, I don't want to say education, but uh, I don't know, awareness of the news. Like what, what distillery is doing what, what's getting released, what are some of the trends, some of the history, I guess a knowledge base, but um, you know, someone's not opening their bottles, they're just a collector, someone's just chasing what's hot, um, like if they're just chasing Blanton's or weather or whatever because everyone else is, like you're not an enthusiast. So that's my take. Um, it's probably similar to what you guys talked about. Um, it's probably you need to have an awareness of your palate, what you're going to like and don't like. You know, do you like readers? Do you like old? Do you like sweet? Um, but that's it. All right. Every week, guys, hope you guys are set up nicely for uh, Thanksgiving. Talk to you guys later. He said love you. We're still okay. He said love you. Jared, love you too. Also, I am so sorry. I just... I feel so bad. It's okay. I think he understands. I think he understands. I just... I wasn't trying to... Did When you talked on Facebook, did this come up? No, because we were just kind of commenting back and forth to each other. But he... um. He brewed his own Irish red ale. Nice. With a rye spice, I think is what it said. 
Um, he said, come on up for Thanksgiving. Come see me. Come oh, drink some beer. Oh. You get us? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait. You're like, get in the car. Bash you over the head with a bottle, <laughs> knock you out, put you in my trunk. <laughs> Where are we? Jared? Currently, we're in northern Ohio <laughs> <laughs> on our way to Pennsylvania. Um, I genuinely am sorry, Jared. Uh, I did not mean to overlook your barrel ring uh, that week that we called Bill. Um, it just, stuff like that just happens. It just happens. Here. I will say, Jared, you got more apology than we gave Robert. <laughs> That's not true. I'm just playing. No, it's but a I'm joke. saying, but I'm telling you, it's a joke. I know, but I'm telling you, you can cut it. That I apologized to him. We, I know you did. It was a joke. But I like sent him an email and like said I'm sorry for the way that it's you know, a joke. Okay. All right, throwing it out there. Go back to the anime. Oh yeah, talk about the anime thing. I got to see what the list was. Again. Oh okay. Wait, that's not it. Um. So it looks like. Dragon Ball, Academia, Naruto. So you're on a good like shonen kick right now. Um, if I don't know if the Naruto is just Naruto or Naruto Shippuden, so I would continue on with that. If you haven't watched that, Boruto, um, Boruto, you can go on. That's Naruto's kid. Um, if you want to stay on that kind of path, um, Hunter X Hunter is excellent. Um, it's kind of like the, you know, starts out, it's got a lot of cool, fun kid stuff, and then all of a sudden it turns into some crazy stuff. It goes back and forth. If you watch all those, you'll be fine with that. Um, I don't know. Did it say? Did it say ooh, ooh, you know it's a good one? Um, it's not running anymore, but uh, Shaman King. Shaman King is a good one. Shaman King was a great manga and, and anime. How, did he say up. how old his son was? Eleven? Mm-hmm. Eleven. Um, if you wanted to go a little bit of Attack on Titan, um, it is pretty gory at times. That's kind of up to you guys. I know some 11-year-olds now have probably seen a lot worse than we've seen. Um, you know, you see parents getting eaten and all this stuff. Um, I would recommend going to a mech. Um, I would say try to check out some Gundam. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to start... Out how I started with Gundam, you could watch Gundam Wing, um, you could watch um, G Gundam, or you could watch Iron Blooded Orphans on Netflix. Um, it's a Gundam series. There is a if you want to go a magical route of shonen, there is a show called Black Clover if he likes that kind of thing. Um, and then I don't I know you like football. Um, there's not really many football animes because they don't really play too much. There is one, and it's not very good. Um, <laughs> but there are a couple of sports animes that I think kids would like. Um, there is a Coraco's Basketball, which is a basketball anime. It kind of blends in the mix of like shonen stuff. Like you know, they have like their special move, and it kind of goes into like the crazy colors and stuff. Ace of Diamond is a good one. Perry just pulled that one up. Um, that's kind of the same way, like you really get like that emotion and like the team and like the seniors get, you know, they're leaving and the younger guys got to step up. It's so cool. Um, I would say, let me see. I know this is taking forever. Um, um, uh, <laughs> Spy X family. 
Spike's family is really good. I actually haven't watched any of it. It's, it's really just good. gotten a lot of flack for being like uh, popular amongst creepy yeah, dudes. Yeah, I understand. That's kind of anime too. Um, <laughs> I would. You could watch Ninety One Days with him, and like that kind of mixes like adult stories, like from Prohibition. Um, yeah. But it's also a really good anime. Um, Death Note. Maybe depending. That's on, a little bit later. Depending on how he is, if you if he likes horror stuff or you're good with him watching stuff like that, um, that's probably a good start. Um, and this could definitely be a continuing um, conversation if you ever want to just message me or let me know because yeah. I got a whole list of stuff I watch. So, and if you really want to tackle something, you can start watching One Piece. That's going to take thousands of episodes. Huh. <laughs> Look at this. I know that this is a typo. But on this uh, CBR.com Bleach list. 2005 to 2002. <laughs> Went backwards. Yeah. Um, do you say Demon Slayer? Demon Slayer's. Demon Slayer's good. It kind of borders that line of, like, if you're okay with gore and stuff, because it gets pretty yeah. adult at times. Uh, JoJo's is kind of adult at times. Yeah. There's Hunter x Hunter. Um, you already talked about... Yu Yu Hakusho is an old school shonen. That's really good. That was that was one of the ones that I kind of grew up on. Um, too. Netflix just released a trailer for the live action version of that. I haven't watched it. I don't watch trailers, but yeah, it's out there. Um, that's yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, uh, we got one more barrel ring. Hey, what's going on, boys? Uh, this is Bill. Thought I'd call in again, as I usually do. Uh, just got listen. Just got done. Just got done listening to the episode. Uh, Brian is a really cool cat. Um, I feel like, you know, back in the day there was um, misconnections. Um, I think he's a misconnection for me. He's uh, like my spirit animal. Coffee, photography. Um, not a good self promoter. I mean, like <laughs> that's it. That's me. So I might have to slide in those DMs. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, I thought the episode was great. Um, I do have thoughts on this whole bourbon enthusiast thing, as you would probably expect I would have. Um, I don't think it's fair necessarily to, to lump it like one big category like that. Uh, so I'm going to break it down in the categories I think work, and I'll try and make this quick. Number one, you have your bourbon drinker. That's a person who knows what they like, doesn't usually deviate, will get the same bottle over and over again. You have your bourbon fan. That's where I kind of fall into. I like bourbon. I like trying new bourbon. I have some knowledge of bourbon and the different brands out there, but by no means am I an expert in that regard. You have your bourbon enthusiasts. They love bourbon. They want to try everything. They know a lot about all the different brands, the history. They know who all the players are. They know everything, right? That's your bourbon enthusiast, and I think the biggest difference between a fan and enthusiast is the level of knowledge that they have. And then you have your bourbon douchebaggery. Uh, those are those ass clowns that only want the most allocated stuff. Don't shop anywhere, but expect everything else. You can also call that your, you know, your bourbon. Um, what do you want to call it? Your, your, your bourbon elitist? No, that's not right. Your okay. your bourbon like I don't know, whatever. We know. But that's how I feel about it. Um, yeah. Anyways, Oops. see y'all next week. Sorry. Peace out. No. Bourbon entitlement is what he meant. He sent in a text as well clarifying i agree but yeah um 
I also had to mention, too, that Mr. Tony Beckett Donuts said on the Uncut episode on Patreon, I think there's one more level you're leaving out, the whiskey enthusiasts. Uh, whiskey enthusiasts, excuse me. There's a lot of us that love the entire whiskey category. That's no surprise, of course, but I think that it's a level beyond enthusiast. What that definition is, I don't know, aficionado maybe. Uh, those of us that learn everything we can about the spirit as a whole. Here, okay. First of all, we were just talking about bourbon enthusiasts. But all bourbon is whiskey. Not all whiskey is <laughs> so it's all the same. Um, but also, I, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to exclude any like particular groups when I gave my broad definition. What I was just saying is that it's anywhere from that first category all the way up to the last one. I wasn't saying there are only two. I was saying that's the spectrum. What's the name of the show? Exist on this. What's the name of the show? This is my bourbon podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, no, I get what you're saying. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was shit. just saying that, you know, that conversation was specifically about bourbon enthusiasts, um, bourbon enthusiasts. Um, but I understand that like the, the talking about it as like being a whiskey enthusiast, I think is an entirely different, uh, spectrum of conversation yeah. to have. Uh, but I don't disagree with that definition either. Um, you know, in, in some regards, like I am, I think I lean more towards whiskey enthusiast, even though bourbon is like my home because I am curious how other whiskeys are made too. you know, the history, the etymology of it all, like it is something that I find joy in learning about. But within the context of that episode, it was... Yeah. Bourbon. Bourbon. Anyway. Uh, High Proof Hot Takes. You got anything that's been boiling under the surface, making your skin peel and itch, Uh, and you're getting a rash where you didn't have one before because you just got so much animosity built up for anything? Well, I almost went to a rash, but I didn't get that mad. But... I was at the airport this past week. Well, that's going to give anybody a rash. Hey, God <coughs> almighty. If you <laughs> just, people just chill when the it's time to line up board for your gate and you're like in zone one, zone two. Leave the people at the desk alone until they call you. Don't keep going up to the desk and being like, When's there, when are we going to board? Elderly senior citizen people like who don't understand <laughs> how to fly. I'll say that who don't understand how to fly. They don't stop. They will go up to the same person and ask questions about everything. What zone is this? Where's my ticket? All this. <laughs> Chill out. I sat there and got so aggravated because these Can people... you call Steve and let him know that I'm at the airport? <laughs> we, we, we got Who's del- Steve? got delayed like 30 minutes, and I swear to God, you thought the world was crashing down. <laughs> people were freaking out. They didn't know where they were going, and, and they just didn't know. Sit at the gate... And wait till you're called, okay? You don't have to get ready to line up. You're all going to get on the plane, all right? <laughs> Chill out at the gate. If you paid extra to get the board soon, then go ahead and get in the front line. Otherwise, sit back and chill. Just chill at the gate, okay? That's what I would say. That's my hyperbot take. People don't chill at the gate. 
I said mine earlier. I'm tired of the rock. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Tips and bits, though. It's a segment where we recommend things that we have been watching, listening to, reading, whatever. Anything. Yeah. You want to talk about Loki first? I mean, that's about all I probably got to say. Okay. I, I got a bunch of other stuff, but I know this is a... Well, I also... We got uh, a long-winded episode here. Yeah, I also saw the Marvels. Well, I haven't, so... Yeah, well, I had fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, there was a whole uh, uh, scene where I was laughing so hard. Um, I'm not even kidding. Like, out of genuine, like, enjoyment. Not so like this you, was bad. When, it was... When you say that, it immediately makes me be like... I'm okay to wait for this to come out on streaming. I hate that you... Because you said I had fun with it. I know you enough to... to I know when your first reaction to that is, it's good, it's fun, but it's not great. Mm. Just say the truth. No, it's not, it's not the best, but I do think it is genuinely a good Marvel movie. Is it one that I should take, I should take time out of my week and buy a ticket and go to a movie? It's for? only an hour and a half. Still, though, you got... And pre- also... Just tell me, yes there's, or no. There's part of it that, like, I really want to talk about. I'll get a fucking ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you said that. But if we weren't going to make content or talk about it sooner, would you say theater or wait? I probably would have said wait, but also I'm in the camp right now of um, streaming is becoming such a conglomerate mess that it's genuinely damaging the theater experience okay and i love theater i mean i'm not yeah trying to, i mean i'm like, not trying to damage anything no no no, no, no. i'm not saying you are I i'm know. just saying like the that that has been more of what hurt because i mean they were largely positive reviews for the marvels but it had the lowest box office. but it had the lowest box office opening of any marvel movie ever <clears throat> excuse me but that's Less about like superhero fatigue and less about um, reviews, and it's more because People of how quickly go. things are going to streaming. Yeah. Okay. So I, I I'm the problem. I'm not saying that. I'm yeah, saying I'm, feel, no, I'm just playing. I'm saying that there there is a larger discussion about you know how the entertainment industry is treating streaming releases in comparison to. Why, like, why, why are we still hooked up on box office numbers if you know they're looking at so many streaming? Exactly. Numbers? Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. No. So, the fact that you had the fact that you said it was fun is good enough for me to watch it. I was just trying to figure out when to fit it in, and if you know that was it was a whole time thing. It's better than Ant Man. For the Wasp. Quantum Mania. That's positive. Better than the Flash. Super positive. Not as good as Loki. Okay. I get you. I loved Loki season two, man. Loki season two. I will talk about that. There's some anime that I'm going to wait and talk about later. Um, Loki season two, along with season one, I will say. Loki, they just, it's it's got the what I call, and I probably should say the Loki effect because I think Andor came out after the first season of Loki. But it's this thing <clears throat> that did. I like. I just say the Andor effect. You could take this story and these actors, and you could flip a few little things and not even have Marvel or Star Wars yes. in it. And yes. it's a great story. Yep. And 
that just to me shows how good you can do something and you don't have to push that universe or that those superheroes, the main bigs, Darth Vader or yeah, Captain yeah. America. Yeah. It's just a straight up great sci-fi whatever story. Yeah. And these actors killed it I all mean, through this whole series. I, I never thought that I would watch a scene with Owen Wilson and I would cry. I mean, he was emotional not, the whole time. He's not he's not an emotional actor. He's not dramatic. He is the comedic relief. And he was one of the highlights of this whole season for me. I mean, I just his performance in the last episode is one of the best performances in all of Marvel. All of Marvel. I think great. that whole episode is fantastic. I I just I enjoyed this from start to finish. I did too. I did not want it to end. I, I will mm -hmm. tell you I wanted to see more. Um I kind of had to sit and think about how I thought about the end. Um I don't know if we need to do spoilers or just wait or talk about spoilers afterwards. Um but it's got some of the biggest emotion in it. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is Killer. fantastic. All of the people in this are fantastic. And I just love that you could seriously take the little bit of Marvel out of this, and it's just a straight-up good story. They, didn't, they don't depend on yeah. the Marvel part of it. And based on whatever they decide to do with Jonathan Majors, this could be they made it to where you don't even need him anymore. Well, the... Um, the... the Rumor going around right now is that they are probably going to be sticking with Kang as the big bad for the multiverse saga, but there's a better chance than not that Jonathan Majors is going to get recast. Yeah. And here's I mean, okay, so here's my prediction if that's going to happen. Um behind the scenes, the Wonder Man project, the show mm -hmm. at Marvel is dead. Yeah, that was going to star. Be. We don't need that. Well, I think if it's done the right way, I mean, we didn't need a She-Hulk show, but I think it was done well enough to where it was kind of justified. We don't need Madam Web either. I know that's Sony, but that's different. I know, that I know. that's going to be saying, a train wreck, oh, and God. I'm gonna I'm here for it every <laughs> oh, step of the way. Uh, she <laughs> just yeah. Let's just she knew it. my mom in the Amazon when she was studying spiders right before she died. <laughs> so bad, dude. Anyway, so Wonder Man is getting canceled. Yeah. That was going to star Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Yeah. Who was in Watchmen. Right. Who is Black Manta right. in Aquaman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if they are looking for him. somebody with the same star power that Jonathan Majors has, I think... Holy cow, I don't know what's happening. I think Yaya Abdul-Mateen is the perfect replacement for him you know he's already signed on as a marvel yeah actor so it's an easy pivot i think um I, man i hate that jonathan majors is such a piece of crap yeah so, <laughs> I, so he's I a good actor because he's so good he's been one of my favorite actors over the past few years and just <laughs> this is a great tip and bit though um i've sent it to you and i've laughed at it for <laughs> about a month or so now 
but as he was like going to tr- <laughs> going to trial, there was a video. <laughs> it was supposed to be like a candid video of these two high school girls getting into a fist fight, and then from <laughs> off camera. <laughs> Jonathan Majors runs uh, yeah, in to frame. He's like, no, 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 no. We can't do Don't fight. It's wrong to fight. And it looks so fake and so oh, yeah. funny. Like just really trying to save face. And it reminded me of that sketch with Fred Armisen in the new season of I Think You Should Leave where he's trying to prove to his kids that he's a tough dad. <laughs> yeah. And he's got the like horribly produced video, video. of him Look. getting in a fight. <laughs> I thought it would look real! <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Anyway, it's a very funny video for anybody who has uh, context for this whole situation. Uh, but he is apparently a real bad dude. Yeah. So anyway. That's a show. That's an episode. That's a that's episode. A we've big been, old, good old episode. Man, we've we've been going for a long time. Yeah, but I'm tired. You want to cuddle? Nope. Oh, we got more content to make too. Oh yeah, yeah. We got a bonus episode coming out. Maybe not this week. Maybe next week. So be on the lookout for that. But we're gonna record some more content after Eric tells you where you can go find out all more content. Oh, yeah, four more content. Four Sorry. more. Four, not four. Four? Four more content? Anyway, more content, patreon.com slash podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, but to get that content, you can support us at the $5 level. You get the bonus episodes. You get this episode uncut, and anything else, news, releases, you're going to get it there first. Support the show, get some extra stuff. Patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast. If you want to send us an email, you can send an email to this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. We'll try to get back to you. We're figuring out where to send stuff right now. Kind of been sending it to my place. Barry used to get it sent to his place, get a P.O. box. Stay tuned, but keep sending the emails. Um, if you want to get some merchandise, bourbonshop.threadless.com. Get you a t shirt. Get you a t shirt. Get you a skateboard, whatever else is on there. The 300th episode t-shirt is up there, by the way. Did you all even know that? I swear I said something about well, it. Well, they know it now. But get some merch. Do it. Um, you can go to all social media. You can uh, go to the show's page, My Bourbon Pod. You can go to Perry's page, Peer1792. You can go to my page, at Whiskey Mutant. We also have a Facebook group. You can join then. Um, if I forgot to mention on the Patreon part, but we have a Discord. You join the Patreon, you get oh, on yeah. the Discord. We talk a lot in there. People give each other shoot. Um, but we all love each other, at least some of us. Um, but yeah, get on all social media. My Bourbon Pod, this My Bourbon Podcast. Search it. Do it. Go to YouTube. You can watch this episode on there, video version, every Friday. Um, all the other episodes that we've been recording are on there. Perry goes live on there every Thursday. Um, but not during Thanksgiving. But not during the holidays, okay? Not during the holidays. Because um, you got to give us a break. you got to let us chill with the family. Um, but you can do that over on YouTube. Um, also, while you're there or on anything else, leave a comment, like, subscribe, share. Review. Do all the stuff. Help us out. Leave reviews. Five star, one star. I'm sure they all help <laughs> in some way. We'll they do. Read, we'll read them out. Oops. Yeah, we will. we will. It's true. We, it's true. We'll read them, and you know, depending on what you say, depending is depending on how we we'll answer. So that's just the truth. 
I'm just being honest, you know. You I, can say whatever you want, but, you know, say something nice, we'll probably be nice. Say something not nice. We'll probably be not nice. We'll probably be not nice. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Do oh. a pour over on some stuffing and turkey. I interrupted Ooh. Perry again. That's fun. But yeah. We will see y'all next week. Tune in soon for the bonus episode that we're going to be doing as well. There might actually be another bonus episode coming out sooner than later. You don't have to worry about any of that. Um, or you can. I don't know. It's up to you. Am I in it? Uh, you weren't when I recorded it. Damn. You can be, though. That's all right. It was a, it was a while ago. Like years ago? Oh, uh, like a year ago. <laughs> I was still part of this. Yeah, but it was an interview before we. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, all right. I'm not good at interviews. As you saw in this episode, I'm Eric. I'm Perry. This is my bourbon <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs>